Chapter 11 of Stories from the Trenches Funny Tales the Soldiers Tell. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Matea Bracic. Stories from the Trenches Funny Tales the Soldiers Tell by Carlton Case. Chapter 11 Stories from the Front. Intimate stories of life in the trenches somewhere in France are told in two letters that describe in man-to-man fashion incidents that present an unusual picture of the battlefront, full of color as well as of darkening shadows. The letters were written by Mr. Stevenson P. Lewis, serving with the American Ambulance Corps to his cousin, Mr. W. O. Curtis of Toledo, Ohio. They are dated May 21st and 26th, and extracts are printed in the Toledo Blade. Mr. Lewis had no complaint to make of the food. He finds the horse meat a little tough, but seemingly palatable. He writes, We get good food, but miss the extra dishes. We get the famous army bread, rather sour taste, but I'm used to it now. No butter, of course. Oatmeal without milk or sugar. Horse meat, potatoes, and various flavors of jam. The horse meat is usually a little tough, but otherwise pretty good. Have biscuits and chocolate at the canteen. A couple of pieces of hardtack with water and chocolate do for a dinner very well when away from camp. We have considerable time just now, with nothing to fill in, and I can't quite go it, so I hike out for walks and have picked up quite a few good pictures and souvenirs. Picked up an eagle with spread wings, German silver, a decoration worn on a German officer's helmet, inscribed Mit Gott für König und Vaterland. It is rather a rare find, as the old spiked helmet is not worn anymore. Sunday we had a visit from Germany in the shape of an airplane, which dropped five bombs in the next village. Two French machines gave chase and brought him down, but he caused considerable excitement until he reached the ground. They always come over at a high altitude and do not seem in any hurry to leave, regardless of the shrapnel shots placed around the planes. This one, the second we have seen come down, made two complete turns and then dived straight down. We have had some trouble with some of the men in charge, due to the wandering of one of our men into the first line trenches. The man guilty has acted ever since he arrived as though missing in essential brain cells, but this time he crowned his former efforts, walked up a valley with Bosch trenches on one side, French on the other, he down the middle in no man's land. Lucky he came back at all. The French called him over to their trenches, otherwise I suppose he would be walking into Berlin by this time. We are working with an English ambulance section, taking turns making runs to field stations, where the wounded are sent direct from trenches. We carry them from these first aid posts back to another post, and the English section, with its large cars, carry them ten or fifteen miles farther back. Then the order is reversed. The English are a mighty interesting lot, and most of them have been in service since 1914. Hence have seen action all along this front. The hardest driving is at night running up to the post just back of the lines, for all the moving is done then. The road is crowded with ammunition trucks, supplies, guns and troops, and with no lights it is uncertain what is coming or going. Several men have ditched their cars and run by the station, but no serious accidents have occurred. 
Star shells sent up at intervals give a blinding light, and the whole countryside is as light as day for a short time, then suddenly dark. It is this quick change that makes it hard to adjust our vision. This English section has been through the hottest fighting on this front, having been posted at Verdun last year and running to the most advanced posts, but never lost a man and had only a few slight accidents. A person would think they were playing a safe game, but not so after hearing of some bombardments they ran through. One man in the British Ambulance Corps has the Victoria Cross, the hardest war medal of any to get. He drove his car up the lines in plain sight of the Germans. One of the stretcher-bearers having been killed, he rushed out onto no-man's land with another man and rescued several men, put them into his car and drove off, all the time being the object of German fire. The English are world-beaters in the flying game, as I suppose you have heard. The minute a Bosch plane appears over their lines, a couple of fast monoplanes are after it and usually bring it down. Heard of one air battle between five English machines and ten Germans. Five of the German machines were brought down and the remaining five headed for Berlin with two English planes after them. The English did not lose a machine. Again, there were three German sausages, observation balloons, and three English aviators, each in a machine, were detailed to bring them down, each aviator to take a balloon. Two of the Englishmen each got their balloon, but the Germans, seeing what had happened, lowered the third balloon. However, the Englishman ordered to get it, being ruffled a bit because he did not get a chance to get his bag as the other two did, dived down over the balloon resting in German territory, setting it afire and killing a number of Germans. He was wounded badly, but succeeded in bringing his machine back. He was awarded the Victoria Cross. Many other war medals are given, but a man who gets the Victoria Cross really has done a feat of individual bravery. Funny they hadn't met. Pretty lady visitor at private hospital. Can I see Lieutenant Barker, please? Matron, we do not allow ordinary visiting. May I ask if you're a relative? Visitor, boldly. Oh, yes, I'm his sister. Matron, dear me, I'm very glad to meet you. I'm his mother. No end to the game. Two American lads were discussing the war. It'll be an awful long job, Sam, said one. It will, replied the other. You see, these Germans is taken thousands and thousands of Russian prisoners, and the Russians is taken thousands and thousands of German prisoners. If it keeps on, all the Russians will be in Germany and all the Germans in Russia. And then they'll start all over again fighting to get back their homes. End of chapter 11